0: All right. Good morning. Um, If you are new to BC, uh, one thing you should be aware of is that one of the things we do together as a church is half the time, like the the first and third Sundays of the month, the uh, kids are in the service with us. Uh, Second and fourth Sundays, they go out to a thing called Kids Connect to where they can kind of learn what it's like to be part of a church together. And so this week is a week where kids are In service with us. Sorry, I accidentally started a timer on my watch and, you know, I want to be able to talk for as long as I want to be able to talk. Uh, So this week is a week where kids are in service with us. And so kids, where are you guys at? Raise up your hands. All right. So today, what we're doing is we're starting this new book. It's the book of Ephesians. This is a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to this church in this town called Ephesus. And so the people that live there are called Ephesians. And so he's writing a letter to them. And as he's writing this letter, he kind of begins the letter. You're going to hear when we read the passage, he says, hey, this is Paul. I'm writing a letter to these people. And he, and he greets them. And then immediately he says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And then what Paul is going to do is he's going to talk about some of those blessings. But the important thing, the most important thing we need to know about these verses is that what Paul is doing here is he is praising God for what he has done for us in Jesus. And so the question I have for you is, what is praise? Eleanor, when you're talking good about something. So how many of you have seen the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie? Okay, put your hands down. How many of you have seen the old Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movies? I don't mean the one that was like in the 2000s. That one doesn't count. I mean like the 1990 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles one. Okay, so what I see here is that some of you have good parents, so, if we were going to praise these movies, what could we say? Levi? They're really good. Josie? See, it, it's tricky sometimes, right? When we, when we praise something, we, we could say something we liked about it. So, Josie, what was something you liked about the movie? was it funny? (laughs) Maybe. Ben, what do you got? Yeah, man, that sounds silly to me. Yeah, it was good. It was entertaining, right? So when we praise something, it's us saying something we like about someone or or something. And so when we praise God, when, when Paul praises God in this passage, what he's doing is he's saying these are things that he loves God for because of who he is and what he's done. And so you probably know that one of the things we do together as a church is we praise God by singing, right? Like week after week, we sing these songs. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but they have a lot of words. Right, and those words are important right they're they're the most important part of the songs because what we're singing is we're we're praising God about specific things about what he's done and so as we go through this passage we're going to see Paul do that he's going to praise God for who he is and what he's done and uh, what this passage should do for us is it should cause us to want to do what Paul does to, to praise God for what he's done and so Kids, go home, ask your parents about specific things they learned about what God has done for us, and ask them how you guys, as a family, can, can praise God together. So let's, let's pray, and then we'll get into our passage this morning. Father, we thank you for, for who you are and for what you've done for us. We thank you that you haven't haven't left us alone. You haven't left us in our sin and and in our brokenness. You haven't left us out of relationship with you or out of relationship with one another. But you sent Jesus. When when the fullness of time had come, you sent him into this world to to redeem it, to to fix it what is broken about your creation and to fix what is broken uh, in us and about us. Father, we thank you that in Jesus, you have blessed us with, with every spiritual blessing. And so we pray this morning that as, as we look at, at just some of those spiritual blessings, that you would send your spirit to, to, to stir our hearts and and our affections, and, and our minds, and our emotions, and help us, enable us in our brokenness to respond as we should in praise to you for who you are and what you've done for us. Jesus, we thank you that you came down. That it is through your blood that we have redemption, that we have the forgiveness of our sins. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So Ephesians, this this book we're going to go on this journey in together, is a letter that Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus around AD 62. The reason why we know it was around then is because it was during Paul's imprisonment in Rome. And I, and I feel like that's an important thing for us to know, right? As we're going through this letter together, the fact that Paul is is writing these things, he he has this attitude, he has these thoughts while he's in prison is Important. So the theme for this series is: we're going to go through the book of Ephesians is made alive in Jesus. So the, the roughly, the first half of Ephesians is going to focus on how we've been made alive in Jesus because of the gospel, and then kind of the the second half of Ephesians is going to be about how that 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 life that that made aliveness kind of works itself out in our lives. And so today we're going to be talking about Paul's kind of initial greeting in the letter, and then this. this this long first sentence in this first section of chapter 1. So I'm going to read Ephesians 1, 1 through 14. Please follow along in your Bibles, or if not, it's on the slides behind me. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So verse 1 here tells us that, that Paul is writing this letter. He's writing it by the will of God. So this letter, Paul is saying to the church, it's bearing his authority as an apostle. So Paul is communicating to the church truth of the gospel as an apostle, and then it's its implications for their life. So this is a letter that they're supposed to take seriously because it's bearing authority from God. And then verse one tells us who the letter is is to. It's to the the saints who are in Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus. So he's Writing to the church in Ephesus, it's it's made up of followers of Jesus who have who've put their faith in Him and who are who are striving to to live out that faith uh, in faithful living. Verse two gives us this kind of traditional greeting from Paul. He kind of starts all of his letters this way. He says, Grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's Paul's desire that they would experience both both grace, right? God's unmerited favor, God giving us things that, that we don't deserve. Uh, like mercy, and, and love, and acceptance, and relationship with him, and he also wants them to receive peace. That's, that's, that's shalom in the Bible. It's God kind of making them new, and, and setting things right. This is what Paul wants for the Ephesians, those people who have put their faith in Jesus, and were are trying to live it out faithfully. So he greets them, and then immediately he gets into it. In verse four, or verse three, we, we start this, this sentence. It goes all the way through verse 14. I know that like in our English Bibles, it's it's broken up, but really this is a a really long sentence. The reason why it's broken up is because you can't do this in English, right? If you write a sentence this long on a paper, you're going to get points taken off. uh, Unless your name is is John Owen, and then you can get away with it. But Paul here is, is, he's really, he starts off by, by saying like, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he, he immediately just kind of like starts overflowing with praise. And it's like he, he can't stop to put a period in. He has to just keep, keep talking. It's just, it's just flowing out of him. And so in this big, long sentence, Paul is going to praise God for what he's done in Jesus. He praises God because he has blessed us. He chose us, he predestined us, he adopted us, he redeemed us, he forgives us, he lavishes grace upon us, he makes known to us the mystery of his will, he gives us inheritance, and he seals us with the Holy Spirit. There is so much that is packed into these 12 verses. It's in these verses that that Paul, in his praise to God, makes it clear to us that God has saved us is saving us, and ultimately will save us. And so what we're going to do this morning is we're just going to, going to walk through this a chunk at a time so we can understand these things that Paul is praising God for. And so first, Paul praises God because he has blessed us in Christ with, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So number one, God blessed us in Jesus with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So the first question we should ask is, what spiritual blessings have we been blessed with? It's every, right? It's, it's, it's all of them. That's, that's, that's an easy answer. We don't have to think about specific things. Like, is there a spiritual blessing in the heavenly places? Yes. Well, then it belongs to us in Jesus. We, we have them all. There is not one spiritual blessing that doesn't belong to us in Christ, In 2 Peter, Peter says that that his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. We have been blessed in Jesus with all of the spiritual blessings that God has at his disposal. They belong to us in Jesus. And notice specifically the way in which these blessings come to us. He has blessed us in Christ. As we go through this sentence, we're going to see that phrase or, or, or in him or, or through him a lot. It's going to occur 10 times. Like all of these blessings that we've been blessed with come to us if we are in Jesus. That means that we only experience, we only partake of, we only benefit from. These blessings only belong to us if we belong to Jesus. If we're in him, we have every spiritual blessing. If we're not in him... We've got nothing. And so the first thing that we need to understand this morning is that everything that follows in this passage is contingent upon this part. We need to be in Jesus. And so if you're here this morning and you're somebody that hasn't put your faith in him, then these spiritual blessings do not belong to you. And so I would encourage you to to talk to someone before you leave this morning about about what that looks like. How do you put your faith in Jesus so that you can be someone who is a beneficiary of every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places? But if that's not you, if you're someone who is in Jesus, then that means that, that the God of the universe the one who, who owns the cattle on a thousand hills, the one who, who made everything, who, who knows all, sees all, sustains all. He has blessed you with every blessing that he has in Jesus. And then starting in verse 4, Paul is going to start to, to explain, to, to kind of enumerate, to list some of these spiritual blessings. He's like, we've got all of them, and I'm going to tell you about some of them. So he starts in verse 4. First, he says, he, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. And so this tells us three specific things about how we became beneficiaries of these every spiritual blessings. The first thing he tells us is that he chose us. right? This is something that, that God decided to do. We, we didn't choose him here. He chose us. So all through this passage, as we walk through it, one thing is going to be made clear. It's that God is the one taking action. And we are the ones that are that are being acted upon. We are are passive recipients of these spiritual blessings. There's gonna come a time in Ephesians where Paul's gonna say, Hey, go do these things. But here he's saying, This is what God has done for you. Here he chose us. The second thing we see about this is that he chose us in him. So we're not chosen apart from Jesus, but, but in Jesus. This tells us that God's choice of us, it, it wasn't and it isn't and it won't be on the basis of who we are and what we've done. Instead, it's on the basis of who Jesus is and what he's done, which is good news for us because Jesus is great and we're not. We're chosen by God in Jesus. The third thing he says here is that he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Again, this makes it clear that God's choice of us, it's not on the basis of anything that we have done. The reason why we know this is through a simple question. How many of you were there before the foundation of the world? If you weren't, then you don't have anything to do with this decision God made. God made this choice before the foundation of the world. His choice isn't based on who we are and what we've done. It's based on the person and work of Jesus Christ. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world. But why did he choose us? And I don't mean that like, why did he he pick me? What I mean is what was the purpose of this choice? Paul's going to tell us that. He says, that... We should be holy and blameless. We're not chosen because we are holy and blameless or we were holy and blameless. We're chosen so that we would become holy and blameless. This is the goal that God has for us. His choice of us in Jesus was so that we would become holy and blameless. Jesus already is holy and blameless. And God chose us in him so that we could become like him. Next, we see in verse 5 that in love, he predestined us for adoption. Now, before we get to the, you know, the juicy predestination bits, notice that this starts with in love. In chapter 2, Paul's going to say, because of the great love with which he loved us. God's love for his people is is one of the motivating factors for us receiving every spiritual blessing, for us being chosen, for us being predestined for adoption. Let's not forget that. God made this choice. He, He did this predestining because of his love for us. Now, Paul says, he predestined us. This word means something like, he, he chose or determined beforehand. In fact, I went to, I don't know what website it is, Bible Gateway, maybe? It's the one that like lists like every English translation. And I went through and I was like, let's find one that's like, he didn't choose us. And there's not. Because they are being faithful to the original language and how they're translating it. There's some that are like, he chose us, but leave the pre part out. But this word means something like he, he decided ahead of time. He chose beforehand. He, he planned it this way. And really, like this, this shouldn't be surprising to us. I know that the predestined word kind of freaks us out. But like he just told us that he chose us before the foundation of the world. And we weren't there. So he, he made that choice before we had anything to do with it. And then here he tells us that he predestined us for adoption. And it, and it kind of freaks us out a little bit. But, but what he's doing is he's just explaining more things about that choice. When God made that choice, he determined ahead of time that we would be adopted to himself as sons and daughters of God through Jesus. And he made this, verse 5 at the end, this predestining choice according to the purpose of his will to the purpose of his will. So it was, it was his decision for, for his reasons, for, for his plan and his infinite wisdom and infinite knowledge. This is what God decided to do. Now, we don't have time this morning to go into all the, you know, debates and positions and arguments about predestination and God kind of choosing his people through election. And, 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 and honestly, like, I don't want to do that. But if you really want to talk about these things, like if you're wrestling with him, like I would love to get together with you and talk about them. But here, what I want to do is I want to just like talk about what the passage says. Side note, like the word predestination is like, it's, it's, it's in the text. Like, the Bible uses the word election. Sometimes, like, and, and like this was me in college, right? Like, I don't believe in predestination. I don't believe in election. Like, these are words that occur in the Bible. Like, like, they exist. Like, that's be like me saying, like, I don't believe in tissues. Like, tissues are real. Like, I may not want them in my house. This isn't a real thing. Like, I have a tissue in my pocket right now. <laughs> Like these, these words exist. These concepts exist in Scripture. Instead, what we can argue about is, is maybe how or, or why or, or what the purpose of these things is. And so, so if you want to talk about predestination more, if you want to talk about election more, like let's talk about it, but let's not say like we don't believe in it because it's, it's here in this passage. So God shows us In Jesus, before the foundation of the world, he he predestined, he decided ahead of time that we would be adopted as sons and daughters of God through Jesus Christ. And the result of God choosing us to be holy and blameless and him predestining us for adoption is verse 6, to the praise of his glorious grace. So the result of this is that God would be worshipped because of his glorious grace. And I think that one of the reasons why Paul maybe expresses it this way and puts it in these terms is because if there is any part of this choice or this plan or this process that we could take credit for, we would. And then we would be like, yeah, he did all of that. But let's talk about what I did. Let's talk about my part and how great it was. But instead, Paul keeps the focus entirely on God so that the result of it would be to the praise of his glorious grace. You see, because the reality is, if if we are undeserving of even one spiritual blessing, which we are, then we are certainly, absolutely, 100% undeserving of receiving every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. But that's exactly what God has done for us in Jesus. Right? That's exactly what Paul is talking about. And one of the reasons why he has done that, why he has given us that much grace, is so that we would praise him. Praise him for his glorious grace. Says so He has blessed us with his glorious grace in the beloved, in Jesus. And again, Paul reminds us that we're only recipients of these things because of Christ. He says, in him, verse 7, we have redemption through his blood. So in Jesus, we're we're redeemed. We're we're bought out of our our, our slavery to sin and death and Satan because of Jesus' blood. We've been set free. He, He paid our debt. He paid the price of our freedom through his death on the cross. He, who actually is holy and blameless, died for us who are not holy and blameless so that we could be set free so that one day we could be made holy and blameless. And we're not just set free from our sins. We're also forgiven. He says the the forgiveness of our trespasses. All the wrongs we have been done, we've been forgiven. He, He releases us. He forgives us. And he takes on the cost of our forgiveness on himself. How is he able to absorb that debt? Paul says according to the riches of his grace. According to the riches of his grace. And I think this is something that we as believers too often fail to understand. You know, I think, I think we know in our heads, right, that God is, God is infinite. He's, he's infinitely powerful. He's limitless. He has everything at his disposal. We, we, we know those things. But I think we still tend to, to think and sometimes believe that there's a limit on God's grace. Like, maybe we think that, like, there's just some people out there that, that are too far gone, that, that God just doesn't have enough grace to redeem. Or maybe we think that, you know, a, a particular sin struggle that we have, or, or a particularly hard time of, of suffering, that, that, you know, God's grace just isn't sufficient for those things. Or, or maybe, maybe we'll just get to a point Where God will get so fed up with us. That he'll just cut us off. Listen to the words Paul uses here. He says. The riches of his grace. Which he lavished on us. Paul here is describing a mindset. That that we are not very familiar with. We live most of our lives. with, With a scarcity mindset. Right. There's. There's only so much to go around, and so whatever I have, I need to keep. I can't let you have it, and I need to get more of it. We've already talked about tissues. It's toilet paper. I don't know if you remember this, but during COVID, toilet paper was scarce. And we all acted like crazy people. I need to get as much of it as I can. I need to keep it to myself. I can't tell people that I have this. Or they might come to my house and try and take it from me. I'm going to get all that I can at Walmart when I'm there. We were hoarding toilet paper. Because we thought there just isn't enough to go around. But God isn't like us which is something we should always be thankful for. But especially here, he doesn't know scarcity. His grace doesn't know scarcity. It's, it's abundant. Paul says the riches of his grace. There is more than enough to go around. And it's, it's so abundant that he can afford to lavish it upon us. He can lavish it on me. He can lavish it on you. He can lavish it on others, right? It's, it's, it's limitless. There's more than enough to go around. Right? He is the one who is rich in grace. He is the one who lavishes it upon us. And so when you're in a situation where you need grace, which is all the time, remember that this is who God is. In your struggle with sin, in your suffering, his grace isn't merely sufficient. His grace is excessive. Excessive. It is extravagant. It is overabundant. And he lavishes it upon us. This is who our God is. And it says he he lavishes it upon us in all wisdom and insight. And so God doesn't just apply his grace to us in our struggle, in our suffering, in our sorrow, just kind of willy-nilly or haphazardly. He does it in wisdom and insight. He is infinitely wise and he knows exactly how we need grace. He does it intentionally, perfectly. Paul says wisely and insightfully. One of the ways he does this is verse 9. By making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time. Jesus' arrival, his, his life, death, and resurrection is the perfect example of God taking his infinite grace And lavishing it upon the world in all wisdom and insight. Jesus came into the world at exactly the right moment in history. God revealed his plan of redemption when Jesus came. The mystery is made known. God sent him, verse 10, to unite all things in him. Things in heaven and things on earth. Right? Every other religion tells a story about how we if, we, if we do enough things and if we do them in the right way, then, then maybe we can get to where God is. But the gospel tells the story of God coming down to earth, bringing heaven down so that we might become like him. And in Jesus, Paul says, God is uniting all things. And the church is a picture of that. Verse 11 tells us that we have obtained an inheritance in Jesus. This is a a future-oriented thing, right? An inheritance is something that we're we're waiting for, but yet Paul says that that it's already ours. We've we've obtained it. Specifically, we've obtained it in Jesus. Again, the only way we get these things is for in Jesus. And this is particularly encouraging here because it means that us receiving this inheritance, it, it doesn't have to do with us who we are and what we do. Jesus is the one who has this inheritance and we obtain it in him. And so our qualifications to receive it are on the basis of, of whether or not we're in him. And if we're in him, Paul says, we have obtained it. We haven't received it yet, but we've obtained it. It already belongs to us. And the verses continue saying, like we've been, we've been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, So that we who are the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. So so we've obtained this inheritance because we've been predestined. We've been predestined for adoption as sons and daughters. And as sons and daughters, then we receive his inheritance. But he also tells us something very encouraging about, about how we've been predestined for this inheritance. He says we've been predestined According to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So it's for his purpose. And Paul says he works all things according to the counsel of his will. What's encouraging about this is that when God predestined us for adoption, he predestined us to be inheritors of this inheritance that we've obtained in Jesus. He doesn't just want us to have obtained it. He also wants us to to possess it, to to experience it, and walk in it, and benefit from it. And again, he's not the one who kind of, you know, uh, not only wills things, but Paul says he he works everything according to the purpose of his will. And so I told you last Sunday that I was getting, getting back into golf, and Friday I went and played golf with my dad, and... It was, it was ugly. I'm very rusty. And there were multiple points that, that I had a will for the ball. I had a purpose. I had an intention. I knew exactly what I wanted it to do. And then it didn't do it. It did something, in some cases, quite the opposite of what I wanted to do. That's because I don't have the power Or the ability to work that little ball according to my will. But God isn't like us. He does have the power to work all things according to the purpose of his will. And his will is that we would obtain this inheritance and that we would possess it so we can have confidence, not only that it belongs to us in Jesus, but one day we will possess it. One day we will walk in it. And he, he explains this more. He, he talks about the, the first generation of believers being to the praise of God's glory. And then he transitions to talk about the Ephesians' own experience of conversion. He says, they, they heard the word of truth. They believed the gospel. They believed in Jesus. They put their faith in him. They were, they were sealed with the Holy Spirit. So the role here of, of the Ephesians in salvation is to hear And believe, that's it. Everything else God does and, you know, spoilers for chapter 2, Paul is going to say there that faith is a gift of God. So Paul here is emphasizing the role of God in our salvation. So when the Ephesians, they embrace the gospel in faith, Paul says they were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So if we're in Jesus, then we have been sealed with the Holy Spirit. He's the guarantee of our inheritance. So he he keeps us, he protects us, he, he equips us to ensure that we will actually acquire possession of it. The word guarantee here, it's almost like down payment, but it's different in that with a down payment, like it doesn't actually guarantee that the house will belong to you, right? Because if you just make a down payment and don't make any more payments, like your house is getting taken away. Instead, it would be like if when you made a down payment, your bank took that payment and invested it, and then used the proceeds to pay off the house. Like, first of all, wouldn't that be fantastic? That's not how it works for us, but that's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit is, is, is like a, a foretaste of what it's going to be like when we're in God's presence, and one of the things the Spirit does for believers is enables us and equips us and empowers us and continues to sanctify us so that we become more and more and more and more like those holy and blameless people that God chose us to be. When we are sealed with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit carries us along so that our possession of the inheritance we've already obtained in Jesus is certain. This, Paul says, is to the praise of his glory. Again, Paul brings it back to worship. That's what he's doing here. He's praising God for who he is and what he's done for us. This entire 12-verse sentence is just an an outpouring of praise to God. He praises God for all these spiritual blessings that he's blessed us with. And he's going to spend more time in Ephesians unpacking them. He says, we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. We've been chosen by God. We've been predestined in love for adoption. We've been blessed with his glorious grace. We've been redeemed through the blood of Jesus. We've been forgiven of our trespasses. We've had the riches of his grace insightfully and wisely lavished upon us. We've had the mystery of his will made known to us. We've obtained an inheritance in him and we've been sealed with the Holy Spirit so that it is certain we will acquire and possess our inheritance. This is what God has done for us in Jesus. So the proper response for us is exactly what Paul is doing in this passage, right? It's it's, it's for us to respond with praise to God for, for who he is and what he's done for us. And so let's continue to do that this morning. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you accomplish your will and your purposes. And your will was to send Jesus to save us. That you enabled us to to respond in faith to the gospel when we heard it. To trust in Jesus so so that in him, you could bless us. With every spiritual blessing. We pray this morning that you would send your spirit, who has sealed us and who is enabling us to acquire the inheritance you have for us in Jesus. Send your spirit to help us to respond rightly. To these blessings, like Paul does in this passage, through praise to you. Pray that you would help us, equip us, enable us. That you would stir our hearts. You would draw us closer to you. Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you that you came down here to draw us close to you to welcome us into your presence so that we could share in your inheritance. It's in your name we pray. Amen.